Well, hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Unsighted Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in again. I hope you guys have been enjoying the content as of lately. Of course, uh, we're in the midst of doing the Disability Expo kind of mini-series, kind of trying to hype up the event that I will be attending in London, England. So hopefully you guys have been enjoying that. Obviously, we're mostly talking about video games, which is a very big passion of mine and making video games more accessible for those who are disabled or chronically ill. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed that content. Uh, if you know anybody that would like to listen to the podcast, please do let them know we are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. Have them search The Unsighted Radio. Just make sure they spell it U-N-S-Y as in Yankee, T-E-D, The Unsighted Radio. All right, guys, we have a great new guest to the show today. I want to thank my friends over at T6 Talk for introducing us. Uh, I mean, where do I start? This guest is doing a lot of stuff. You know, he's done radio work. He's, you know, creating his own show. He does audio creation. Obviously, he's the creator of You're My Hero over on CBC in Canada. Um, but I'm really excited to talk to them today. And Hopefully I pronounced this name right, but if not, I, I told him he'll have to do the assist, but uh, here goes my attempt. It's Sean Togard. Uh, if not, he'll uh, he'll, he'll correct me, but uh, please, if you can, introduce yourself, Sean, and it's great to have you on the show today, my friend. It's great to be here. That was, that was close with the <laughs> name. Uh, I, I've gotten some, some much worse pronunciation, so... Uh, that wasn't all too bad. Uh, it's Sean Togood. Okay, um, all right. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's not bad at all, to be honest. Uh, uh, I, you know, my last name has also had the unfortunate aspect of being pronounced wrong um, throughout my entire life. It's uh, it's a French last name, so when people see it they want to pronounce it Bhutan which I'm like you're not technically wrong to do that because that is the original pronunciation but of course with us Americans we like to you know make everything you know our own so it's it's Bouton but I've gotten Bhutan Bouton so, so I, I I get it so uh thank you for helping me make sure that pronunciation was correct of course I'm I'm very happy to be here and I'm Happy to to talk with you. Yeah, so uh, maybe the best place to start is if you can just kind of introduce yourself. You know, obviously uh, we got the name, but can you just tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, um, so I would consider myself a, a creator of audio, um, and I've I've done some writing as well as uh, uh, a theater person. So I, I kind of dabble mostly in the arts. Um, and I would say that uh, most of my work kind of uh, revolves around uh, the disability awareness arena and uh, kind of elevating voices of of people with uh, disabilities, so. And are are you comfortable with sharing with my audience uh, your lived experience with disability and, and chronic illness? Absolutely. Uh, 
So I have uh, a cerebral palsy, um, which I acquired at birth. Uh, so um, my cerebral palsy affects the whole right side of my body uh, with high tone. And uh, I'm a wheelchair user. Uh, that's the way I the way I get around day to day uh, with the assistance of uh, a chair. And sometimes I require personal support workers to to get me up in the morning, which can be sort of an adventure because you know, Sometimes they're not as reliable as, as one would hope they would be. Uh, but, you know, um, we do our best, I suppose. Absolutely. You are an absolute warrior um, and, we, you know, appreciate everything that you do. Um, I, I'm interested. So um, and hopefully it doesn't come off um, rude at all to ask, but uh, um, how old are you? Uh, I'm 30. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you and I are the same age. Um, so I'm just curious. You, you mentioned that you've had cerebral palsy since you were born. Um, so obviously, you know, the big thing when it comes to those who use uh, wheelchairs or power chairs, obviously, um, people have had experience um, with walking before. Some some can still walk. Some can still stand. Um, so, you know, how, hopefully I'm not asking you this in the wrong way, but, um, you know, with your diagnosis being so early on, uh, you know, have you always been using, uh, making use of the wheelchair, or the power chair, or have you, were you able to use a walker and walk for a time? I'm just, you know, interested to know about your lived experience with your disability. Yeah. Um, so for the most part, I've used, uh, an electric chair. Uh, I got my first one when I was about six, I think. Um, and then uh, I did use what they called a heart walker, which was a heavily uh, assistive walking device where they would just put me in a frame and I would, I would uh, do my best to take uh, as many steps as I possibly could, but you know, when when you're when you're uh, when you're younger, it it it's rather tedious to have to go through all that therapy, and you know, when you're a kid, you find it all pretty pretty boring, so you don't really want to. You don't really want to do it, so I sort of, uh, I I shunned away all forms of like, uh, AFOs or like walkers or any assistive devices, um, and really I just I relied on my on my wheelchair a lot to to navigate through. Uh, places yeah I mean we all go through our own journeys and you know it, it's hard for some people to get to a point where they're comfortable with using those uh, you know the devices that are available for them the accommodations that they have that are accessible to them and 
you know, I always tell people, you know, just because you look at me or someone else and we seem perfectly fine using it, it doesn't mean that was always the way it used to be. You know, and we all get to a point in our lives where maybe we become a little bit more comfortable with asking for help. So that's obviously something important to base. I, I think it's important to bring up in conversations when you're talking to people who don't understand, like, well, why wouldn't you just want to use it? It's just like, there's a whole grieving process. There's the perception of people, shame, you know, it's a very complex issue to um, come to terms with and have an answer for. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think I've gotten to the point where I, I realized that like, there's no, there's no shame in asking for help. But for a long time, I thought that I had to, to do everything by myself and on my own with as little assistance as possible. And now I'm realizing uh, that was only affecting me and like, and my life. And like, so I was only, I was only uh, doing a disservice to myself uh, by not, by not, asking for for that help um so but it took me it took me a long time to get there i i was saying i'm 30 now and i think that uh that epiphany really didn't hit for me until i was about uh like 25 or 26 so not that long ago at all uh yeah i I, I laugh because I I was very similar, you know, maybe my mid twenties is when I finally was just like, I should really learn more about the the stuff that is available for me and become more comfortable with using it. Um, you know, so heck for people that think I have it all together, it's, it's also been very recent for me too. Um, but I want to go back a little bit. You mentioned that you've always really been into the theater and the arts, um, performing, um, what what drew you originally to that form of entertainment? Was there like a show or an actor that you just really loved growing up that was like, oh, this is this is my world. This is what I want to be involved with. Yeah, uh, I I was exposed to to acting and theater uh, from a very early age. Um, my mom is actually uh, an actor herself. So I was I was around it a lot uh, as a as a child, uh, and then I think there was just a point where like I don't know if, if you have had this in your podcasting career, but there was a moment where I realized that like in order to be happy in my life, like and feel feel like I had to be uh, doing something uh, in the entertainment field and uh, not necessarily for the glitz and the glamour because as a Canadian actor there's really not not much of that uh, in Canada anyway but for me it was just the idea of coming together as a community and building something together that hadn't been seen before. 
and being able to come together and, and collaborate uh, together to tell a, tell a compelling story and like make people feel things. I think that was sort of why I was drawn to it so, so much. Um, so I, I want to ask this question because I myself have always loved, um, you know, cinema. I, I've loved, you know, electronic arts, uh, you know, video games, animation. Uh, you know, I've always, you know, enjoyed that stuff. But for me, as a blind person, I thought, well, there's no way that I could ever get on stage and act. Um, so I'm just curious if there was ever any sort of, you know, negativity or criticism from people like trying to tell you like well you you should avoid acting because of your disability uh, i was just curious if you've ever received any of that uh that's a good question i don't think i received that uh explicitly mm-hmm. however i think the the systems for a long time were designed to kind of uh, tell people with disabilities that uh, that they weren't really able to participate. Like uh, for for a long time, people were celebrating the fact that they were making their venues accessible in terms of like uh, as an audience member, mm-hmm. but then but then the work wasn't really being done uh, backstage and on the stage to make it accessible as a performer with a disability. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I think there is a there is a lack of understanding that maybe people with disabilities actually want to to be uh, performing or a part of the backstage crew or like a part of the technical crew. And I think I'd like to say that's changing, but I think there's uh, there's still a long way to go on that front as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it, you know there's still a lot of progress that needs to be made, but we are seeing more actual representation and actual actors um, with the lived experience of disability and chronic health conditions portraying the roles. You know, it's no longer like, uh, you know, no, no, no shouting out or shaming, but there's no like Drake on Degrassi, you know, playing the individual in a wheelchair, you know, that's starting to go away more and more um and we're actually getting disabled actors and chronically ill actors and in, in those roles because you know who better than them because they have the lived experience and they have the acting credentials too yeah exactly i think that's that's something that people have to look at is there are very many capable actors with uh, disabilities and, and chronic health conditions that can do the job. I think yeah, I think it takes uh, more understanding and and commitment from casting directors and people in the industries 
to actually look at those people rather than, uh, you know, as you were saying, put able-bodied actors in uh, in roles uh, uh, of people with disabilities, which is uh, was happening for a long time. Uh, and uh, it's it's slowly changing, but again, uh, it takes a lot of a lot of commitment from the people who are putting the money behind these shows to uh, to actually make that happen. Yeah, and you know maybe a show like yours. Uh, <laughs> I know there's probably a lot you you can't say about it, but obviously um, you're my hero. Um, you know this is a show that you you are the creator of. So uh, you know what what you can say <laughs> would love to hear. You know kind of how this got started, and you know at, at least if you can tell us what you're hoping this show can do. The yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so this show, uh, I wrote, I started writing five years ago, and um, because uh, there wasn't um, a real authentic uh, look at uh, a person living with cerebral palsy who was my age. Um, it was either like super tragic, uh, like poor them, or like super inspirational. Yeah. There was nothing. There was nothing really in between uh, about just like living life and navigating relationships. Uh, so uh, and, and you know there there weren't a lot of parts coming along for actors with cerebral palsy. And selfishly, I guess I wanted to to be in something, I wanted to write something that I could be in as well. So I was like, let me, let me write this. And so I started and it really just like, it really flowed and then uh, I met uh, my writing partner who, because that was a couple of years into that process, and before that, I was almost ready to sort of um, put the, the show on the shelf. But when I met my writing partner, they really uh, reignited the spark and the the passion for the project, uh, just having them look at it from uh, a fresh perspective really helped. Uh, and they added they added a, a fresh level of, of uh, humor and like it just it felt so much better uh, when they came on board. Uh, they really re-energized me. And then uh, we got a lot of no's from a lot of producers, uh, as you do in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had to learn to be okay with the word 
No, uh, really quickly. Um, I'm not turning this into like a finance bro TikTok. Uh, you know, how they're like, you know, those TikToks that are like, oh, just be okay with the word no and push through, uh, you know, invest this much money, whatever. Those TikToks are hilarious to me. Anyway, uh, so I I got in contact with Long Hope Media, the production company, and they they really believed in the in the project and they they saw a fresh uh perspective that really wasn't being seen on television and they they knew that they wanted to be a part of it so yeah that's how that happened that's amazing and i mean i completely you know get that sentiments you know prior to doing the podcast i i was just trying to do anything i could to you know, just build a name for myself and start getting into, you know, I guess you can consider podcasting the entertainment business if you want to. Um, but same thing. It's like I kept getting no's after no. As you know, I, I told people like the very first thing that actually started helping me get work was an article I published. And no lie, I got 29 no's before I got the the, the one yes that I needed. But it's like you said, it's like you got to get okay with saying no because I feel like if you're getting a no, that just means they weren't the right person for you because they don't realize your potential or what you have or what you can bring to the table. And the ones that say yes, um, like for you yourself and you're in, you know, for this in your show, they, they realize that this is something special and absolutely they got to say yes because this is going to be something awesome necessary and it's going to have a positive effect on the people that watch it yeah and one thing i will say about this show is uh disability is part of it Mm -hmm. but uh more to the point it centers around just like uh millennials trying to navigate the world of like living with a living with a roommate like having relationship issues, like all the crazy wild stuff you get up to when you live by yourself, you know? So uh, that was important for for us as well, not to make it all about disability all the time, mm-hmm. but, but present uh, disability issues through the lens of, of comedy and through the lens of like navigating uh other dynamics also no that that's a great point to bring up because it's so easy to fall into like oh well this is about you know disability you know positive disability identity you know making it feel like you know this isn't the bad thing but then you're like you don't want to play in to the point where it's kind of like um you know, and obviously, you know, we, we don't like this term, but like the inspiration porn kind of, you know, feeling that some of these programs, and you know, kind of get attached to. 
So you're just like, well, yeah, disability is going to be there because that's just part of who I am and my lived experience. But it's not the focal point. It's there. Um, it's up front. You know, it's present. But like you said, it's like, it's just about life. And, you know, the other things that come with life, you know, disability isn't everywhere every day, every second of our lives, even though it is. But it's just like we have our normal problems just like everybody else, dating, living with roommates, um, you know, going to events. You just like just the stuff that people get into with everyday life. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think uh, one thing we wanted to, to stay away from and one thing that's clear, I hope, uh, at the very beginning of this show is like we're we're not going for the inspiration point at all. Like we're we're kind of subverting those uh, expectations. I hope. Um, anyway, <laughs> no, no, it's I, I completely understand because with with media, like like you said earlier. It's so easy. It's like it's either oh look at them, they're so inspirational, or it's like oh woe is me, or it's also oh well look at them. Uh, you know, it, they they did have a bad situation, but now it's better. Uh, and, yeah. and and they become better because of um you know the struggle. So it's just like uh true, you know. But uh you know we we don't always have to make it about those kind of like tropes. Um, I think the kids say it nowadays. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. Some days, like, my worst days are I can't uh, get past the level on Red Dead Redemption, too. Like, I don't know. That, if, that's my, if that's my worst thing I have to do with, then I'm fine. But, uh, you know, I get so many people coming up to me when I go outside still and they're like, oh, it's so great that you're outside. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's pretty wild. Some yeah. of the things, yeah. Some oh. of the things that people, uh, people, feel like they can just say or or do in public is is pretty pretty wild. It makes for good material though that I can <laughs> put in the show. So I about to say that makes like great like B roll or just like, you know, filler content for those transitional scenes. It's just like yeah, the, the, the encounters that we go through. She's like, oh, good for you for coming outside today. So it's like, well, okay, thanks. So it's like, it's like, I won't, it's like, wh how would you feel if I just came up? She's like, good for you for shopping today. It's just like, you'd be like, leave me the heck alone. She's like, well, yeah, now put that on the opposite foot and you know, maybe think about how it would feel if all you had for this, you know, for a person with a disability is people coming up being this like, hey, look at look at you, and you're just like, oh my goodness, I, I just want to I want to punch you. <laughs> yeah, like I just I wanna I wanna pick up my 
burritos and leave, you know? Yeah. I, I want to get my case of, of Mountain Dew and leave. Like, I don't need this right now. Yeah. It's uh, just the obliviousness or the hypervigilance of just, like, people coming up. And, you know, and I know um, um, for people who do make use of, you know, the wheelchairs uh, and the power chairs, um, there's such a big problem with people just coming up and just trying to wheel you wheel you people around. It's just like, no, you, you can't just grab the wheelchair. That's That's their device. That's what helps them get around and be a part of society, be independent, be confident. And you can't just grab it. You've got to ask for permission. I mean, it's just I, I've heard so many stories of people being pushed out into traffic against their will, and it's just terrible. Yeah, that would that would scare the hell, heck out of me. Mm -hmm. Just like, uh, yeah, it's like when you when you do that, it's like you're you're grabbing me by the arm, you know. Mm -hmm. It's basically the the that's what I would equate it to. When you got my chair and start moving again, it would just be like uh me coming up to, to that person and, and grabbing them by the arm and, and pulling them in a in a, in a direction. So Yeah. It's like and, and I wanna be super careful when I say it. it's like I, I you know I just hope like maybe in your show you can have a conversation between someone who's trying to help you and be like so like hey this is a good like you know thing for the the show to have like a little teaching moment so it's like hey you know you just don't if you see someone whether it be with a cane or guide dog or any sort of assist device it's just like don't don't just go up and grab them because like you're putting them in harm if you grab them and because for most of us, we don't know where you're taking us or what's going on or if we're in danger. So it's just like, you know, hopefully, and I I can, you know, probably say that, you know, obviously this is what you're trying to hope to do is just bring a more positive message. Just like, hey, we're, we're just like every other, pe you know, person. So it's like, treat us normal, treat us with respect. It's like, you wouldn't just approach a complete stranger and grab them by the arm. So why would you do it to us? Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I do know that in season one there's a there's a scene that's that's kind of like that, and mm -hmm. um, when my character uh, goes on a on a date, mm -hmm. um, uh, but obviously in season two we're looking to hopefully. If we get a season two, mm -hmm. uh, we haven't been we haven't been told either way yet. But if we if we are lucky enough to get one, uh, we're looking to kind of delve uh, deeper into those into those moments about what what is acceptable and and like showing that people have their own autonomy. Uh, just because they're in a chair doesn't give them any less uh, autonomy and and uh, yeah, like right to their own their own body, you know. So. Yeah, that's awesome. 
uh, you know, I, I really do hope you get that second season because, you know, the show, it, it's so amazing. And the messages that it's teaching and just the portrayal, the representation is, is just amazing. It's truly a one-of-a-kind show. And, uh, you know, just congrats on all the success it's had so far. And like I said, I just, I hope it gets that second season. Um, but I'm curious to ask you prior to the show, because you, you mentioned, you know, about for five years you worked on the show. Um, what were you doing prior to starting to work on the show? Um, if you can talk about that a little bit. And, and then after that, I'm curious, you know, what was the spark that made you realize that you had to create this show? Because I'm guessing there was some sort of moment in your life where you're just like, you know what? I've got this 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 idea in my head for this show. I, I've got to start working on it. So uh, I know it's a loaded, like two part question. No, I think it's it's a it's a great question. I think uh, so. Before the show, I did a couple radio documentaries on like the assistive housing. Uh, uh, system in Canada uh, because in Canada there are, are buildings where you get 24-hour PSW support but other than that they're just like uh, normal apartments and stuff so you're really able to be uh, as independent as possible um, while having kind of a uh, a um, a safety net of PSOV support when you when you need it. Uh, and so I had been on that list for a long time, but uh, to my knowledge, nothing had moved on on the list. So I was like, "Huh, that's interesting." Like. Maybe that would make for a, a good uh, radio documentary. So uh, because I graduated uh, radio school, uh, I got a, a, an internship with CBC on the radio side. Uh, and so I was able to make um, a couple of documentaries for them. Um, surrounding uh, disability and, and independence and things like that. Um, and then I had basically had this idea for this show for quite some time. And then I, there were moments that just like would happen to me in my life where I was like, no one's gonna believe that this actually happened unless I like wrote it or like put it in a TV show. Like the moments of people coming up to me and doing outlandish things or getting into outlandish scenarios, like I knew that there was something there um, for for. Uh, I knew that it had potential, so I was like, I, I gotta, we gotta write this, so that's how that happened. 
that's awesome. I, I'm curious. So again, you mentioned took about five years working on this to kind of finally realize um, the show and have it actually, you know, get produced and everything. So during the process, um, I'm curious, you know, were there any, you know, moments during that five-year process that stand out, you know, any sort of struggles, anything that you, you really learned, had to overcome? I'm, I'm just interested uh, as someone who, you know, loves kind of getting behind the scenes <laughs> kind of information um, of what it looked like as you were developing the show. Uh, yeah, I think one of my, one of my biggest uh, takeaways from from the de the development stage, obviously, um, as a as a relatively new uh, newcomer to uh, to the production side and the creation of shows, you know, I knew that there would be some uh, some give and take, uh, but I. I learned that you can't be too uh, too precious with things like you might love something, but it doesn't serve the the show uh, in the best way, so you gotta let it go. Or there are gonna be scenes that that you really want in there um, that just feasibly aren't they're not feasible due to like budget restrictions mm -hmm. which is fine um but uh you know i've i've learned sort of not that it's not as glamorous as i thought it was but like there is a there's a lot obviously that goes into uh to making a show that like uh you know a lot i think a lot of people think that like oh you just write your show and then a couple of years later like it's you snap your fingers and it's it's made and like that's not what that's obviously not what happens and that's not what what i thought necessarily i just there's a lot of things that like it's interesting to look at the first draft of the script that I that I wrote uh, so long ago now to see what actually made it into the finished product of, of the show and like how much it's transformed and most of it's for the better um, f from that first draft. But there, there are still some things that if I had all the money in the world and all the time in the world, like I, I'd love to to see those moments in the show. But you know, yeah, man, I, I can't even imagine just if it was something that I was creating, you know, from a place of passion. Obviously, you know trying to put disability positivity into it. I think like like you said, I, I think the hardest thing for me was being able to compromise. Cause like you said, that's such a big part of the industry is 
you can't have everything you want because it's just not feasible or it's just not logistical. Um, so like I can just imagine for me, I, that would be like the lesson I would struggle with the most. It's just like, no, I want this, this, and this. Like you can't have that. Like, but I want it. Yeah, there were there were some some long conversations about we we want to have that, but uh, it's just not possible. Yeah. And I I will say that like. The only way this show gets made is uh, a collaborative mm -hmm. effort on everybody's uh, part um, to make it as as good as it possibly can be. And I, I'm super proud of of our cast and our crew just to, to deliver uh, such a a, a fantastic product that I know I can be I can be proud of and I hope everyone everyone involved is also proud of it um uh but I I'm definitely super stoked about how it uh turned out yeah that's amazing um I, I'm I'm wondering you know what the overall reception has been up. Are you allowed to talk about that? Um, you know, obviously, um, I'd also love to ask about, you know, um, your parents, you know, and, and their involvement. If, if there was anything, I, I have to imagine you, you mentioned your mother, uh, an actor herself. So, you know, that's probably really been cool for her to see you blossom in this industry and go on to create your own show. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm just curious, you know, what's the general reception been? And also, would just love to hear about, you know, your family and, you know, what that's been like for them to watch you go on and to create your own um, program. Um, the reception's been, been fantastic. Uh, I just, I wish that um, it, it was available for for more people to to watch because uh, a lot of a lot of the feedback is uh, oh I, I wish I could could see this uh, in the states and so I'm hoping that somehow uh, we can we can uh, bring that to as many people as possible um, but overall the feedback's been fantastic uh especially from the the disabled community awesome. uh i've i've heard a lot of people say that for the first time they they feel uh a character really authentically like uh represents them and they feel seen on screen which is amazing and and I that's the whole reason I I wanted to do this in the first place. It's funny uh, that you mentioned Drake on Degrassi because uh, I got a I got a comment from uh, a woman on Instagram and she said I watched your whole show and I wish that this had been around when I was younger because when I was younger 
all I had was uh, was uh, Aubrey Graham playing Jimmy <laughs> on Degrassi. So, um, so that was that was a moment where I, I knew that I that we were doing something right for sure. That's awesome. That's that's such a great compliment to get because you know, uh, that's one of the shows that I know. You know, especially uh with the Canadian actors that I had involved in the you know the creation and everything. So that's so cool to be like. I wish this was there instead of Degrassi. <laughs> that's quite a high compliment. Yeah, I mean, I I love Degrassi myself, uh-huh. so I I don't know if it was <laughs> if it was instead of Degrassi, but I, I think I think it was uh, alongside Degrassi <laughs> because I am I am forever grateful for the hours of entertainment that Degrassi is giving me. And uh, in terms of your other question. My mom is actually, uh, she plays my support worker on the show. So, yeah, it's been incredible to sort of share that, uh, share those moments with her, uh, just because she has done so much for me in terms of, like, uh, uh, fostering my my love for for acting and writing uh so to be able to share this experience with her has been uh fantastic that that just warms my heart and like i mean almost like makes me want to cry that's just so amazing what a special bond that you guys get to share on this show oh my goodness that just gives me goosebumps that's so amazing yeah, it's been it's been it's been quite a quite a ride. Uh, it's it's one of those special moments that you get to look back on. That was kind of you go, oh, that's really that's really cool. Actually, that I I get to share that with her. So yeah. So, <laughs> um, in terms of casting, um. Were you involved in that process at all when it comes to um, the cast and who plays who? Um, yeah, in a way, I think we we sort of knew as soon as it's it's interesting because uh, you know you you write something and then when someone takes those words. And and elevates them off the page, and gives it a gives it a new life, and uh, and puts energy and a different energy into those. Uh, and then it's kind of a it's it's a pretty wild experience to see someone like uh, saying the words that you wrote. Um, but yeah, I'm. Not, my cast uh, has, they're absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Tara Spencer Nairn, uh, Ali Hassan, uh, Das Saranga, Tina Jung, Kelsey Flower, 
and all the rest of them. Uh, and they're going to hate me because I left some people out. <laughs> not, on, not on purpose. Uh, they were all fantastic and and they they gave the show such a level of we had some of the funniest actors that I've ever uh, worked with um, on on this show and they made every day such a joy to come to work and and I think you can definitely uh, see that on on screen so that's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's another question I'm really interested to ask you about, you know, on set, you know, you know, shooting the shots and the scenes. I mean, what is that like? You know, from for for me, I'm you know, I'm an outsider looking in. You know, I've always kind of like remembered like those old like sitcoms where you have the audience and they're sitting watching the people go from scene to scene. Um, but for you, you know, to be in it, you know, what was that like for you? Do you know like, you know, say like first day on set, you know, cameras rolling. Here we go. Scene one. Yeah. Um, so I'll answer that by saying, uh, we, we did this, uh, thing where we shot everything in what's called block shooting, which happens, uh, on a lot of shows these days where they go, um, uh, set by set so they don't go they don't go episode by episode necessarily Mm -hmm. but they go set by set so for example like I could be shooting something from episode 7 and then episode 4 and then have to jump all the way back to episode (laughs) 1 so uh, the first day was, was quite uh, quite uh, a little bit of gymnastics, uh, just emotionally because uh, the first thing we ever shot was quite uh, quite a emotional climactic uh, moment. So um, you know, it was almost like okay and go, and then like you just had to had to get in that headspace. Um, uh, so that was quite an adjustment. And for the first two days, uh, it, it was rather lonely because it was, uh, my character was in his bedroom for the first couple of days. So it was me and I think one other person for the first uh first couple of days. So so yeah, that was definitely something to sort of adjust to for sure. Am I allowed to like ask like, you know, how long that, that first scene took for you guys to to get? Because you know, obviously a lot of times some you know some directors do multiple shots. If you're Clint Eastwood, you don't you only get one shot. Um, so uh, I'm just interested um, um, if you can answer that. If if not, I completely understand. Yeah, I mean you know uh, our our actors were were so good. 
I'm so good that it didn't take uh, too long. No, I'm kidding. For the record, uh, that's a joke. Um, uh, yeah, it it took it took a while, but once we once we got in the in the rhythm of things, uh, it was it was pretty quick after that. I think. So how was managing um, your spoons while you're, um, you know, on set recording, you know, everything's going on. There's all these other things in the background happening that you might not even be aware of. And um, obviously for our uh, non-disabled listeners out there, spoons, basically what we mean by spoons is basically these, just think of like you have three spoons and each spoon, it can only fill up so much until it's it has to be replaced. So when I say managing spoons, it's basically how much energy do you have available per day to get through stressful, um, you know, scenarios. So uh, that's what I'm trying to ask Sean Harris in terms of recording everything going on. How was managing your spoons while you're, you know, you're recording this show? Um, it was definitely something that we, talked about a lot uh before we started started rolling on on productions how can we get the best performance that we possibly could um so the production company uh was great because we really wanted it to be as uh seamless and as friendly to everyone on on set as we possibly could because we also have uh people with disabilities behind the camera mm -hmm. uh who if this was a traditional production mm -hmm. the long days of of film are like 12 and 13 hours mm -hmm. but if you rely on medication uh, to get you through the day, mm -hmm. you know, you don't want to be missing your your when you're about to take that medication because you're on set. So uh, we sort of made sure that it was a safe space to uh, for people to kind of take breaks when when needed and 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 take a walk from the set and uh and get uh food when when they needed uh one of our directors uh Greg Jess uh was uh or is a type one uh diabetic so he had to manage his uh blood sugars while while on set and this was like his first real shot at uh, being able to direct mm -hmm. because the way the the way the industry is set up, like it's not very friendly to people with disabilities who have to manage uh, medications and things like that. So we wanted to to open it up to as many people as possible. And the production company was really great 
uh, Kevin and Lucy and PJ and everyone at One Hope. I just uh, being like, okay, what is it you need? Okay, we'll we'll get that done for you. So, for example, uh, they gave me uh, a room with uh, uh, a bed in it uh, that served two purposes. One is I could just, like, change my wardrobe more effectively with the use of a, of a cot. And two, if I needed to, I can just, I could just lay down and, and take a breather and kind of uh, refill my spoons. So, uh, yeah, I think they did a tremendous job of, of letting me manage, manage my, my spoons for sure. That's amazing. Uh, so, I mean, I cannot just congratulate and, you know, give the production company enough flowers and just going beyond in the line of duty to make sure that all the disabled actors, crew, on set, behind the set, that is absolutely amazing because, like you said, in in the current industry, at least the mainstream industry, like you said, these are 12, 13 hours a day. They're on set. They're doing multiple takes. Um, they're probably missing lunches, haven't had a break since they started shooting. And that's just impossible to do. And to keep that sort of like routine, that structure for a crew that has other disabled or chronically ill, you know, members and uh, employees. So it's so amazing to hear you talk about that because that, that is just awesome. And I hope we can start seeing more and more of that because that would really, you know, really make people want to become involved in the industry more and more. If they knew that there was this amazing company like yours out there that they can be involved with because it will cater to them and their disability or their chronic illness. And, you know, they're actually able to do the thing they went to school for and not feel like, well, I can't do it because the way that the current industry is actually, I would never basically be able to make it in there. So I, I just, I'm blown away by that. You know, awesome. I hope it becomes more and more commonplace. I think that our our goal is uh, for it to become commonplace because a lot of the pushback and the arguments you get against building in time and like and taking time and slowing production down is like oh well, that costs money and and you you can't you can't actually do that but my my answer to that is well we did so clearly it is possible right to to do because because we just did it so hopefully that argument starts to, to go away now and, and people look at our show as as a as a blueprint uh about how to, to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. You, you said it perfectly. It's like, we've done it. We have the formula to do it. We have the format. And if 
we can do it than these companies that, you know, billion dollar companies that have the resources and the manpower there. They can do it too. It's just about, you know, you've got to make them open to the idea of doing it because it's like they just don't want to make the change. But as you guys are doing this and you're making the change happen in real time, hopefully they'll come around and realize like, you know what, we're just being stubborn. We can do it like they do. We just have decided not to for whatever reason. Um, and now we need to start making the change. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, tell me about the feeling of wrapping up the first day of the, of, of, of you know, the first episode. I mean, for you, like you said before, five years, maybe even more, you know, you've been working on this. There you are. You're on set. You're recording. Finally, first day, episode one's done finally, or however long it took you for episode one. But I just want to know, like, what was that feeling like to, you know, finally at the end of the day, just be like, wow. So that just happened. Um, That was kind of surreal uh for sure the end of end of day one was was quite a moment but uh thankfully i didn't really have much time to to think about it because i i just had to learn my lines for for the next uh for the next day um so you know but uh one thing i will say is there, there's a, a shot in the show where you see my character leaving uh, his wheelchair accessible van. And, uh, you know, as they were filming what what's called inserts, so they were doing close-ups on the van and, like, uh, and just, like, the van itself. To, to get the shot of of the the wheelchair there, that's when I kind of got emotional and I was like, "Wow, you know, like we're actually doing something pretty cool." Because, like, honestly, I maybe maybe you know, but like I don't know of a show uh, that I've seen that's done like a uh, a close-up shot of someone exiting uh, a wheelchair accessible vehicle. So that's when I kind of knew that we were on to doing something pretty, pretty cool. So yeah, that's that's just amazing. I mean, what a journey this has had to have been for you to, you know, to conceptualize this idea to write the scripts you know, to kind of, you know, put together the meetings to get to the stages of like, yeah, we're here, we are, we're pitching the show, and now we finally have the backing of a production company that believes in it, and then finally all the way through to shooting it and recording it. I mean, absolutely, you're going to be emotional because, you know, this, this, this is your baby, this is something you've been working on, and, you know, again, yeah, disabilities there is not, you know, always going to be like the focal point, but just to 
like you said with the reception, like to get that whole I, I wish this was around when I was younger because it would have really helped me um with my mindset, my my emotional, you know, just it's it's just amazing and I, I know it's been so worthwhile for you to get this created and out to the public so they can watch it. And I and I do hope that it can become more available to uh you know other streaming sites and uh maybe maybe we in the states just need to start using vpns to watch it <laughs> well you know i can't advocate for vpns i know i know if uh, uh maybe if we uh tweet um tweet about the show and and wanting it in other markets you know Hopefully, hopefully we can we can make something happen because I just I I would like for for as many people to see the show as as possible. So, um, so that was a joke on my part, you know. <laughs> I I didn't mean anything by the the whole VPN thing. Uh, basically, just what I'm trying to say is I really would love for it to become more available because I, I really do believe this is a special show. And I, I I think not just in terms of the representation and the program itself, but just the entire team and all the work the production company has put into producing it. I think from start to finish, it's something of that's very special. And I really do hope that it starts to kind of change the industry because I think it, it can um, if people are receptive to it. So You've really created something super special. Well, thank you. And thanks so much for having me on to talk about it. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So um, I just want to, you know, give this time for you um, to share where people can find you, uh, you know, get in contact with you. Um, obviously, if there's any sort of kind of like promotion you want to do just please at, at this time share whatever links that you have um this is for you this is your moment yeah uh you can follow me on instagram at sean Togut. uh so my name uh i'll spell the last name t-o-w-g-o-o-d uh so Follow me over there on Instagram um, uh, and uh, Twitter is uh, my name as well. So just uh, follow me and, and that's where you're going to get all the updates about about the show. And uh, I'm working on some, some other stuff too. So when I'm, when I'm ready to talk about those, and uh, that's why where where you will find all the info on that. So awesome. Well, I will definitely make sure to send a tweet your way. Absolutely retweet. Um, try and highlight you as best as I can because I'm a hundred percent behind everything you're doing, sir. You are absolutely amazing and Thank you for all that you do. Truly, you are phenomenal in every way. So if there's anything I can do to help promote you or highlight you, you just let me know because uh, we here at the Unsighted Radio would love to do that because we are big fans of what you're doing. So that's just me to you. 
Well, I appreciate that, Chad. And, uh, and you know, as, as a fellow uh, audio person, I have a, a, a soft spot in my heart for what you're doing because I think it's, it's very important. And, you know, as, as much as we can uh, amplify uh, our voices and, and voices of other uh, disabled creators in the community, I think uh, that's very important. And uh, you're, you're doing a, a lot to make that happen right now. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. That means a lot. Thank you so much. Well, everybody, that's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you did enjoy it. Again, if you would like to follow Sean, please go to his Twitter or Instagram. I'll make sure to leave the links to those in the show description so that way you can just click on them, go there, give him a follow, and stay up to date with everything he's doing. Um, obviously, the show is You're My Hero. Um, hopefully, uh, it, it will become more available. Hopefully, we here at the Unsighted Radio can make people know that we want it and we want it to now. <laughs> but uh, until then, please go follow Sean over on his links. Please give him support um, and just let everybody know about the amazing work he's doing. But that is it for today's episode. I want to thank you so much, Sean, for coming on today. It's been amazing to talk to you, get to know you better. Thank you for all that you do, and thank you for being here. And thank you for listening to today's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed, and if you know anybody that wants to listen to the episode – or listen to any of the previous episodes, please let them know we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. All you have to do is go look for The Unsighted Radio. Just remember, it's spelled the, and then it's U-N-S-Y as in Yankee, T-E-D, radio. The Unsighted Radio. And if you want to follow me on social media, go to Twitter. It's at Unsighted Radio. Again, U-N-S-Y as in Yankee, T-E-D Radio. On Twitter, it's at Unsighted Radio, all one word. Uh, you can like me. You can poke at me. I don't know it's Facebook, but just whatever you want to do. Um, actually, <laughs> we are on Facebook, too, so you can poke me on Facebook. Go to the Unsighted Radio page over on Facebook, uh, the Unsighted Radio. I got to get used to saying that because I just created it. So it's there now. So yeah, Twitter and Facebook, The Unsighted Radio. All right. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again to my amazing guest, Sean, the creator of You're My Hero. I'll see you guys next time. Until then, be safe, stay safe, and be kind. Bye, guys.